Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today, we have two doctors, Dr. Darren Flusher and Dr. Chris Green. Darren from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Chris from Denver, Colorado. These are two doctors who have recently sold their practices, but not just to sell and retire, but to go down a different road of entrepreneurial curiosity and help dentists in ways they have seen dentists be taken advantage of. Chris and Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ross. Hey, Ross. How are you, bud? Good. Well, congratulations on your sale. I know a lot of people work a long time to do that. So kudos to you for building a business and not owning a job, as I always talk about. And so I know it's relatively recent, relatively recent since you sold. How does it feel? Darren, take it away. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's um, it hasn't settled in yet, to be honest. Uh, but uh, feels like it was the right timing in um the evolution of this business and some of the other interests and uh, kind of the, the the time in the market as well. But time will tell. And you guys. You did it. You did it pretty quickly. Both you guys. I think Chris, you owned your practice. You, you just both of you guys did startups, if I recall. And Chris, you did yours for you owned your practice for six years. Is that right? Uh, five years. Five years. And Darren, how long did you own your practice for? Uh, it would be eight in just a few months. So seven right. and a half. Yeah, so that's fantastic. Some people work their whole career and can't donate anything to sell. So good job for you. Um, and. You know, what would you say the key for you guys building a practice that was sellable? What was the key for you guys? Boy, I can speak to that. Yeah, um, go for it. For me, I mean, honestly, even before I opened, I knew this is where we would end up. Um, you know, from, you know, the size of the office, having enough operatories to have multiple doctors, um, the name of the office, you know, not being my last name, all that stuff was really geared from day one to make sure that I left that door open, um, to be able to sell one day. And then, you know, with COVID and all that a couple of years ago, three years ago, really just kind of fast forwarded the process on plugging in an associate and stepping out, you know, when you could, you couldn't really be there all the time. So it kind of forced me to create systems and, and strategies and all that to make sure that I essentially operated outside of me. Uh, and we just kind of put our foot on the gas and, and got to the, what ended up being the finish line here with a sale quickly. So, yeah. Both of you guys did a really good job of getting out of the chair as fast as you could to create a business. Um, you know, talk real quick about what, you know, how hard that was. Yeah. It's you definitely have to have a plan in place. And I know Darren certainly did, but um, a lot of people struggle to escape the chair, at least even cut down from four days clinical to 
to two days. I think it's a lot to do with mindset and then trust in yourself. So you kind of got to trust that it's going to work out. Or, But also, you know, you got to put numbers to it as well. Like you have to have the patient flow. Uh, you, you have to have the the number of operatories you know put to put a good schedule together uh, enough hygienists things like that i think the biggest thing is patient flow to feed an associate you never want to bring somebody in to just sit around and then training up like a leadership team a team uh, around you so that everything doesn't come back to you because we talk a lot about kind of growth and scaling dental practices and you know every couple employees you have systems start to break in the practice and you have to revamp things and and uh, so you have to be really good at uh, maneuvering and pivoting and pushing forward to kind of do it the way that we chose to do it. For me, you know, it's always kind of hinged on making sure that this wasn't the only thing that like made me money, um, whether it was related kind of side gigs in dentistry or investments, you know, other active businesses or passive income when dentistry becomes optional, it becomes a lot easier and a lot more fun to make sure that you put yourself in a position to be able to make those moves and grow. Uh, it's, it's scarier when you don't have those options to fall back on. Um, so that's kind of, you know, I know we want to talk about that here shortly, but that's kind of what we want to help people do for themselves too, is replace your own active income, uh, to where if you still want to do dentistry, you can, but now it's on your own terms. You don't have to retire. You don't have to do nothing, but you can have more fun with it and kind of do the dentistry you want to do. Well, I am on record and I will continue to be on record and not believing in retirement. Um, but that I'm not here to project my convictions on people, but as two people who just sold, um, you're both young. So you're not playing the baby, baby boomer game of like, I want to play golf and I want to retire. Uh, neither one of you have that in your blood to do that in your desire. You guys are obviously continuing to practice dentistry, but you're also going down a different entrepreneurial path, um, from dentistry in, in some respects. And you created a group called Legacy Point. Um, so talk a little bit about what is Legacy Point? Why did you decide to start it? Uh, how are you, who are you helping? How are you helping them? All, all that, all those sort of things. Yeah. You know, Legacy Point, Darren and I had been talking about, you know, kind of the things we were doing to create look passive income outside of the dental practice. And uh, a lot of these alternative investments have become, I don't know, in the circles we run in, it becomes pot, has become popular. But Let, let's stop real quick. There. Let me interrupt you. When you use the word alternative investments, some people not, may not know what that is. So I'm going to define it as. Yes. We're not talking about traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, life insurance, annuities. We're not talking about those things. These are, you're talking, you're speaking of private market deals that are still securities, um, but they are private market deals that go through a different ecosystem than the typical Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch, RAA type individual. Correct. You know, that's that's the definition, you know, I mean, for high net worth individuals that are accredited investors, you start to look for other ways to invest, mitigate taxes, uh, grow, create cash flow outside of just the traditional, you know, 401ks or brokerage firms. So uh, we've we've kind of gone gone along that route and 
it's worked out really well. So we have access to best in class alternative investments. And uh, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, like I said, either cash flow, tax mitigation or, or growth, uh, there's different types of tools that we can use to help with all those scenarios. Well, here, here's what I've seen. You know, I work with a lot of dentists and I would argue more often than not, the highest rate of return a dentist is going to receive is investing in their practice. You guys would likely agree with me on that. Now, the value of your business, your practices that you just sold, didn't trade on a ticker symbol with volatility up and down every day as the, as the market went up and down. Um, and you had a high rate of return, but it wasn't liquid either. And so what I typically find is when someone realizes there is an option for something that doesn't have volatility uh, and isn't liquid and, and may or may not be able to produce a good rate of return or a reasonable rate of return based on someone want, what someone wants, they tend to be somewhat interested in that versus the stock market. And by no means am I saying the stock market is bad. I do not think the stock market is bad. I personally have money in the stock market. I'm sure you guys do as well. But what I'm hearing you say, and I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, so tell me if I'm right, is there are other ways to create wealth that not a lot of people know about it, but it's a little more treacherous if you don't have the right people on your team and know how to access these markets the right way. Is, is that right? Yeah, 100%. That's well said. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's kind of, you know, going back to kind of the origin story here of what we're doing with Legacy Point. I mean, Chris and I have done this for a while now, several years, and we've seen some of those offerings not be um, with the right people or with the right uh, sponsors and go through the right processes. And, and you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we did that for our members. And um, so kind of through our own m mostly good times, but also trials and tribulations, we've we figured out kind of you know, what we should be able to offer to people and what they need to know and learn to be able to really, um, you know, be good stewards of, of their money so that they can eventually step out of the chair when it's time to do that. So that's we want to help people do that. You've seen people, Darren, you've got friends and both of you have friends who have lost money in um, deals that looked good on the surface. But once you lifted up the hood, they were unscrupulous. Is that is that fair? Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's been a couple of those that have happened um, semi recently. So it's really unfortunate, but uh, <clears throat> that can be the case here. And that's something we want to you know, make sure that we give people the knowledge, not just give them deals and, and, and have them trust us, but really learn to trust themselves and, and their own skill sets and, and being able to do uh, their own due diligence on top of the heavy due diligence that's been done ahead of time as well. Well, talk about that because yeah. most people, they're going to hear something like this and they're like, oh, that's risky. That's gambling. And in, in some respects, if you're not, if you're dealing with the stuff that your friends were dealing with, you're talking about, that is very much the case. But how do you mitigate the risk and the, um, the potential of being ripped off um, in these types of scenarios? Well, the key is that these deals are carefully vetted and curated and the due diligence that's done on them is uh, done the right way. And, you know, so we all know 
we we all have access to to unique the guys on this call, I should say, have we have access through Legacy Point to deals that have followed the three-step due diligence process. You know, is the sponsor somebody that we could trust? That have they been a criminal in the past? Have they been, you know, audited or you know, has the SEC had their eye on them? All these things. Um, is the deal, you know, is the deal level opinion right? Is the deal going to uh, do what they say it's going to do? You know, so it's checked out in the back end and crunch the numbers and, and stress test it and make sure that that's going to work. And then if there's any tax advantages to the deal, uh, does this stand up to the IRS code? So we stress test on it on that level. And Ross, you know, you talk about those three prong, the three prong due diligence approach a lot. Uh, so I'd love for you to add to that, but that's, that's really absolutely well, critical. And there's other, there's other pr- people that have promised due diligence and that it wasn't sophisticated enough. So that's where the, the bad actors have snuck in. So we're trying to create a walled garden with our community. Well, I, I've experienced a lot of um, the bad stuff. I've seen the bad stuff and I've, I've learned, you know, what to look for and what not to look for. And to your point, you know, you want due diligence where they make sure, like if, you know, you want to make sure the sponsor, the person raising capital has the requisite experience. Have they done before what they say they're going to do? And then, like you said, a financial background check. You know, is this guy filed bankruptcy last year? Uh, is he up against the wall right now? Is he in debt up to his eyeballs? And then a criminal background check, you know. Uh, there was recently a Ponzi scheme that was just shut down within the last 60 days where the head of the Ponzi scheme was in jail for running a Ponzi scheme, but had had his sentence commuted uh, about four or five years ago. And so he got out and did the same thing again. As one friend of mine says, the tiger doesn't change his stripes. And so, you know, so there was no due diligence in a situation like that. And then if there's tax, well, then you have the, the, uh, the, a third party underwriter, make sure the numbers being presented are reasonable and within uh, re, uh, expectations are, are real. And then get a third party tax opinion from a reputable law firm if there's tax benefits. And, you know, I, I wanna go back to this because so many people are gonna say, this isn't real. Um, and so if you guys would speak to this, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have only done the traditional liquid markets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds we talked about. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no one, you're not saying with your group that you should not do stocks and bonds, and you're not saying you shouldn't do all alternative investments. So speak to a little bit about the the argument of one versus the other, because that's not the argument you're making, but that's the argument someone's gonna project onto you when they have skepticism. Yeah, you kind of touched on it a little bit with your illiquidity uh, and consistency in the the offering and the return. Um, part of what we offer here, on top of everything we just talked about with making sure it's the right opportunity, is kind of non-correlated options. You know, if you don't want to be on that roller coaster of the market, um, you know, or, or be less on that roller coaster over time through your allocations, you can do that with opportunities like these, whether it's real estate, oil and gas. Um, we got lots of options where we can make sure that you've got solid, if not better returns than you could get, you know, over time on average with the market, but also they're not going to be affected by 
the news story of the day or, you know, the, the war overseas or all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you've got less volatility in what we're doing because it's, you know, real businesses doing, you know, real business and, and the returns are related to that thing versus, you know, the whims of the news or the, the new cycle or whatever. So um, I hope that answered a little bit. I don't remember the rest of your question. Well, I, I think one thing people need to be aware of is there is an illiquidity premium in private investments. So whatever your typical rate of return in the liquid markets is, everyone's going to vary in their response. You will get a higher return typically in an illiquid investment. Um, so that's for some reason, people is a compelling reason to do this. But what, what we're saying is you're not suggesting if someone has $5 million in stock market portfolio, you're not suggesting liquidate that and put it all in alternative investments. And because you guys are talking about diversifying across numerous asset classes, by no means are you saying you should get out of the stock market because you guys have money in the stock market and you know you just don't have all of your money in the stock market. And I think like we were saying before, if you have alternative investments, you could easily argue that you might probably want or need a higher liquidity position. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, that's my philosophy exactly. Like the stock market, you could diversify within the stock market, but you could also diversify outside of it. And we talk a lot about like investment buckets, you know, so the stock market could be a bucket. Um, you might have a bucket of money you put in alternatives. You might have a bucket of, you know, just cash uh, or, you know, something more fixed. And then uh, you might have, you know, a bucket of your attention is in real hard assets, you know, real estate you own or a business you own. So uh, when we start to look like this, we're even diversifying more and kind of hedging ourselves against ups and downs uh, from the stock market and in the economy. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's the approach I've chosen for myself. And I think it's proving to be a sound approach moving forward. Well, one thing that's, I think is really intriguing is reducing taxes legally. And so you guys through your group offer solutions to help your members legally reduce their taxes. And so, I mean, we don't want to get into specifics uh, of like strategies here, just, you know, just, you know, we don't want to play around the compliance world in that regard, but talk about some examples of, of what you got, what you guys are doing to legally reduce taxes. And, and I want to clarify for, for anyone who's pretty tax savvy, these are not conservation easements. These are not listed transactions with the IRS. These are legitimate strategies within the code that are as works in all 50 states. So even California and New York, which tend to be a little harder to do stuff in, um, talk a little about what you guys are doing to help people save taxes. Because I would argue, I'm on record saying, the highest rate of return you'll ever get is a dollar taken back from the IRS. Now, I haven't gotten my spreadsheet out and map model that out. I'm sure some engineer somewhere will challenge me on that, and that's fine. But that's my opinion. So kind of tell me what you guys are doing. Well, I want to zoom out just a little bit and kind of go back to the whole like market versus private stuff um, in the same way. You know, we're pretty agnostic to how people save their money too. like we're, we're going to talk about 401ks and IRAs and all that. Like we want people to optimize how they do this. And then this is really for people who go above and beyond what you learn about on, you know, on, on the news, you know, on the mainstream news, like what, what can you do if you are a really high income earner, you know, 
in that top tax bracket, that top marginal tax bracket, what can you do with that money? And that's where we want to come in. That's a really good point because you should be doing IRAs, 401ks, paying your kids. You know, maybe you do the Augusta rule. Maybe you do some income shifting entities. You know, some people are C corporations. I've talked to some people who are C corporations doing that. And so, but, you know, typically up to about a million bucks, you know, maybe you do a cash balance plan. After a million bucks of income, those things don't move the needle too much. And so that's where some of the stuff you guys talk about, but the, some of the stuff you guys talk about also works on lower income people. And by lower income, I mean sub one million, you know. But but so let's talk about some of the, let's talk generically, not specifically. The fruit you're seeing for some of the, from, from some of the legal tax strategies you guys are implementing with your members. I mean, without getting into any specific investment, just saying if you are in a top marginal tax bracket and for easy math, it's you're paying 40 percent. Yeah, 40 percent in taxes. Yeah. So you're paying 40 percent in taxes. If you can, you know, assuming you've got um, cash flow that or cash flow needs that are not as high as what you're making, you've got deployable income. If you can put a dollar into any investment and it saves you, it, it lowers your taxable income by that dollar or by 80 cents on the dollar, you've saved 40% of that invested money. So for these, for this illustration, if you, if you save a dollar uh, that you put in, you would say 40 cents in taxes on that dollar immediately. That's your return day one. So, you know, some, now, hold some on, investments- let me ask you that. this isn't just, but so let's use the conservation easement where a conservation easement, where there was no underlying economic business. It was put a dollar in, get a $5 deduction. In your example, you're putting a dollar in, you're getting an 80 cent to a dollar deduction, but what's happening after that? Right. That's that's for a business that's operating. Yeah. So the operating business, then you're getting quarterly distributions. And for the particular investment that we're all referring to, um, I've been seeing, I think, 20% plus returns each, you know, over annualized. uh, Of course, someone hears 20% returns and they're going to say, oh, my gosh, that's not possible. And you've heard this before. So what do you say to someone who's a skeptic? Well, now I've seen it work. I could show members of the group exactly, you know, where my dollars went and where they came in from this. And so you say, um, I like the $100,000 example. So let's say you, in Darren's, what Darren referred to, you invest $100,000 immediately day one, you've saved $40,000 from paying Uncle Sam. So we have 60000 more that we need to make to break even on that 100000 and then everything else is gravy. So within two years, um, on this particular investment, which has been in the tax code for how many years? 60, 70 years? It's uh, close to 100, if not more. Close to 100 years. So it's not shady. It's not one of these gray areas that your accountant's going to question. It's been there forever. But uh, anyway, you know, within two years, I've pretty much broke even on that 100, and anything else that comes back is just gravy. And there was, you know, Otherwise, it's what forty grand out the door, right? For every every hundred in the example we're speaking of. And one thing you said is you guys actually have conversations. You bring in your strategic partners to have conversations with someone's CPA to really vet you guys out and vouch and and poke holes in what you're doing. And am I right? Yep. So tell me this. So you guys are providing. You're basically. I'm going to put words in your mouth if I'm wrong or right. You're going out, you're finding 
kind of who you guys are describing as trusted strategic partners who are experts in this industry and are helping you guys provide the solutions to the tax problems or the investments and then kind of helping after they vetted them, then you vet them yourselves. So there's like a multi-layer due diligence process in this regard and bringing this to your ecosystem to help clients save money on taxes, get a higher rate of return, and then also create an education component where the old adage, don't teach, don't give a man a fish, teach a man a fish, if you will. So, you know, heaven forbid you get hit by a bus one day, they're not out of luck. They can now, they, they can now do this. Am I, am I, am I saying this the right way? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of where our strength lies is that Chris and I don't claim to be experts at this. We are just a few steps ahead of most of our members and that is our strength in that we, it's recent enough that we understand what you need to know. Um, we know, we remember where we came from and, and where we were just, you know, a couple years ago. Um, so our ability to kind of relate to where people are coming in at and make sure that they get it and get to where we are sooner than later. Uh, and then obviously outsourced and, and get higher level options for the actual part that people want to get to, which is how do you deploy this knowledge and capital and, and make it work for you. So rather than trying to be all of that, uh, and go get licensure and all the things that, um, you know, some groups might do we have decided to stick to what we are good at, which is bring community together, you know, bring the education, be kind of a peer group, and then bring in the right people to do the part that they're really good at too. And yeah, you just- I'm surrounding myself by, with, with other like-minded individuals that are excelling in their profession. I mean, that's how we grew our dental practices. And we think this is a great way to put our, all of our heads together and, uh, you know, protect our financial future and, and do it the right way. But yeah, vetting out and having these relationships is, is the key to the group, right? It's the, it's the key to what, people that are interested in in creating these time types of solutions for their you know with their liquidity uh that that's the the availability to those deals is is the key and this came out of i mean i don't want to go down too too far on this road this came out of quite frankly a a negative experience both of you had am i correct in saying that a little bit. I mean, it's mostly positive. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have probably pursued this path at all if, if all we saw was negative. Like we saw that there were positives in what we were doing, both privately and with other groups that we'd been involved with. You know, I've done local deals and private deals and then and then gone to higher level, you know, kind of mastermind type groups like what we're building. And there's good stuff there. And, and what Chris talked about is the really good stuff was really the the power of the group. And we've seen that both in other groups like this, but also in our own dental mastermind type groups where eventually the leaders of the group really aren't leading the conversation anymore. Like the members become super powerful in their ability to kind of vet and support and sift through this stuff together. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, 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 we did have some negative experiences, which led us to doing our own thing, but I think overall, this is a very positive, um, you know, a a positive outcome as far as what we saw possible here. So who is this a fit for us? I mean, 
I'm assuming if you just started your practice up, this is not a fit for you. This is probably a people who are more established in their practices, earning a higher income, is able to save a decent amount of money. Who would you say the avatar client or the avatar dentist, this is a fit for? Yeah, I would say somebody that, first of all, you have to be an accredited investor, which means, you know, you have to have made 250000 or jointly 300000 uh the last couple of years, last two years. And a million a dollar net worth outside yeah. of your income. I'm outside Correct. your house. I'm sorry, outside of your house. Outside your personal residence. Uh, yeah. uh, but probably somebody who's looked at this space before and has considered this or been interested in, you know, diversifying outside the stock market. It's probably going to be a business owner. So somebody who has an emergency fund for their business, you know, probably two and a half X, their monthly break even point, a personal emergency fund of probably six months worth. Cause you know, you don't want to join a group like this and then be kind of just sitting on the sidelines. You want to be ready to take action. If you see something that makes sense for your situation and something you like, so you want to have some liquidity and, uh, you know, you probably want to have your business operating with a pretty low overhead. So those are kind of the, the parameters that we have, the guardrails, because we don't want to just let anybody in and, and, you know, take a membership fee and they, they can't really act on it, right? We want to see people that could come in and they could put things to work that they're learning if they so choose. And get value out of what they're paying for. Exactly. So if you had to kind of, if I had to press you a little bit and say, okay, how much is, what kind of income does someone need to be making for this to really make sense? Like um, now it's, it's a no brainer. If you're making a million dollars a year, you would qualify for this group. I can understand that based on this conversation, but there's always somebody say, well, am I ready yet? Am I ready yet? You know, I've got that. I've got that. But like, okay, I guess the question is how much deployable capital do they need to really get to work? Well, kind of go into your million dollar a year. I mean, if they're living on a million dollars a year, like they shouldn't be here. They they that's, need that's to, a good point. <laughs> right. So to kind of answer your question, it's kind of two hurdles they need to clear. One is, uh, you know, are you in that top marginal tax bracket? So are you above three fifty ish? Um, and then do you have a uh, hundred, I would say probably at least a hundred K on top of all those things that Chris said, you know, do you have your emergency funds, your practice emergency fund, all that kind of stuff. Have you filled all those buckets? And then if you've got an extra hundred grand a year uh, that you're wondering what to do with. So, you know, if you've cleared that $350,000 uh, income threshold. So now you're looking at 450. If you're kind of looking, how, how do I get my 450 back down to 350 and get out of that top bracket? Um, that's where you'd probably want to learn what we've got going on here. And, you know, obviously just because someone's interested, you know, I'm assuming they would have kind of like a call with you guys to find out if this is a fit or not, because it isn't a fit for everyone, I would assume, because not everything is a fit for everyone. So if someone's interested, what's that process look like? Where do they go? How, how does that whole thing happen? Yeah, right now, the best way to do it, I mean, honestly, just come straight talk to me. I'll, I'll have a phone phone call with you or a text conversation with you. I mean, we've got a little bit more of a process. We've got assistance that will lead you through, you know, our agreements and our, our monthly subscriptions and the cadence of the meetings and all that kind of stuff. But if you just want to learn more, you want to talk to me, um, see if this is kind of on the surface, a good fit, just call me. I'll give you my phone number if you want. Well, go ahead and give me your phone number. Well, I mean, let, let me know. I mean, how about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's 
one six three eight. Go ahead and say it one more time. Four zero five eight zero eight one six three eight. And so the group is called Legacy Point, correct? Correct. Correct. And so if someone is interested in learning more about alternative investments or reducing their taxes through alternative strategies that are 100% legal in the tax code, then you're the guys they should talk to. We yeah, we'd so. love to have a conversation. Fantastic. Well, I think this is I think this is a, a really good thing because I think there's a need in the market based on what I've seen for something like this. It does make a lot of sense. So um, if, if this is so intriguing to you in any way, shape or form, I would encourage you to reach out to Darren and have a conversation and, and they'll be straight up with you. I have known these guys for a while. They'll be straight up with you and tell you if um, it's a fit for you or not. So any last comments before we go here, guys? No, I think we covered a lot, Ross. I appreciate you having us on. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, the group's growing. There's a lot of interest. So we'd love to meet more people and and see if this is something that, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brannan is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc. and Investment Advisory Representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.